everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Across the Bifrost. This is the Mighty Thor podcast, where on each and every episode, we explore the world of Marvel's Mighty Thor. The last few weeks, we've been jumping into a lot of MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe movie talk, obviously, because Thor Love and Thunder is still uh, kicking butt at the box office. And it's, you know, it's that big summer blockbuster that people are going out to see. But you know that we, here on the podcast, we've been going through the Jason Aaron run of Thor as a part of our Jason Aaron retrospective. And today we return to the adventures of Jane in the Mighty Thor series. We're here to talk about the Asgard Shi'ar War between Jane and the gods of the Shi'ar Empire from um, Marvel Comics. So to do this part of the retrospective, I brought on a guest who I've admired her, her content on Instagram for so long, and it is my pleasure to introduce you to Victoria from Read Across the Stars. Victoria, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Yay, thank you for having me. Very exciting times to be a um, Marvel slash Thor slash uh, Jane Foster fan, so very excited to be here. So you're right. It is a super exciting time to be a fan of Jane Foster. I just, because it's on everybody's mind and I know we haven't gotten far from the topic lately on the podcast. But what, did, what did you think of the film before we jump into our comics today? Um, well, obviously <clears throat> for me, not enough Jane. No, there's never, Jane, enough but Jane. that's okay. <laughs> never enough Jane. Um, and not enough Jane and Valkyrie being badass best friends. Um, I could watch two hours of that and that would be delightful. Um, but, you know, I was prepared for a really wacky Taika Waititi movie. Um, you know, like I, as a New Zealander, kind of was expecting him to put his really quirky twist um, akin to his work with like Hunt for the Wilder People and Jojo Rabbit um and what we do in the shadows so that's what I was expecting going in since we had all yeah. sort of heard that Marvel was like come back do do your Taika thing um it was even quirkier than I thought it was going to be but right. it was lots of fun um and my husband who is not really like a big like pop culture nerd Marvel person he thought the goats were the star of the show which he's not wrong so I mean yeah unfortunately the goats took a little bit of Jane and Valkyrie's shine but that's okay <laughs> they're a little hard to ignore because with that yeah. oh, that ear piercing scream they have it's just you can't you can't get past it <laughs> but yeah. you you yeah, said absolutely. like Taika came back he was totally Taika Taika unchained and uh yeah he, uh, so you really enjoyed the movie and it but you know it it ticked most of the boxes for you yeah I mean I it did what I expected I guess in an even more zany way um I probably like Ragnarok more just because I do like the MCU tone that Ragnarok had more right um but it was a great film it was so much fun like it's cool to see the direction they're going with these like big name directors doing their own thing in the MCU, yeah. which I think is just fun and fresh and exciting. And if you take away that kind of like, I don't know, like phase two, three expectation that I think a lot of people have, it's actually just, it's a great time. And that's what you want really, especially like what are we year two or three nearly of a pandemic? Like we want to be going to the cinema to have fun, not right. to cry, you know? So, well, <laughs> we've done enough of that. Of crying. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, 
So um, I was happy with it. Awesome. Like middle of the range of my Marvel like tier ranking. Um, But I think once I've rewatched it, when it comes to Disney Plus, it'll probably get higher because I usually bump them up more the more I watch them. Right, right. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. I mean, I, I think that you're where you're where I've heard, um, you know, a lot of friends of the show at like fun movie, like, you know, I went and saw it. I enjoyed it, had a good time. I can't wait to see what happens next. Uh, and yeah. speak, I mean, speaking of like Jane and her adventures, like, you know, we've been doing the Jason Aaron retrospective here on the show. And those of you that are like just now becoming familiar with Jane, this is a great series of podcasts to jump into because we've been going storyline by storyline through uh, the Odinson and Jane's story. They've kind of been walking simultaneously with each other up to this point. It was a lot of Odinson at the beginning. It's a lot of Jane right now, but we actually get to see the Odinson in these issues uh, at the end. So that's going to be an exciting little cameo at the end. There's a lot of different cameos in this, in the story we're going to talk about today. So um, listeners, buckle up. It's going to be a good one. We are talking about the Mighty Thor issues 13 through 19 from late 2016, but mostly 2017, written by, of course, the man, Jason Aaron, the, the all-father of Thor comics himself, and uh, largely, uh, you know, Russell Dodderman's back. Uh, recent Eisner Award winner Matt Wilson is back. Uh, Matt Wilson recently won the Best Colorist Award at the 2022 Eisner Awards, so congratulations to Matt Wilson. And um, lettering legend Joe Sabino is back as well. Um, but... We're going to jump into it before we get to the Asgard Shi'ar War of it all. There's a small little story for about two issues where we get the re reforming of the League of Realms. So, Victoria, I just want to add, like the League of Realms, they've, been, they've shown up before, but what did, what did you think about this? You know, Thor having his own little super team. It's just so fun, you know. Like it's just great to have it's not taking itself too seriously you know like the characters have such good banter like they're making fun of each other um and then you know we've got rod solomon who we can always see more of like we love we love her she's awesome great like what an excellent character for jason aaron to have crafted and put into the story to really add in that kind of like zingy badass like human element because obviously we've got jane who is Thor um so yeah I just think it's so fun I love seeing kind of like Jane and Sif um together as well like I think that's really interesting and fun and I just love all of the supporting characters and how like wacky they are like it's just it's a great fun time it's always good to see them together um and I just particularly loved reading them in the later event the war of the realms so then having these little like snippets of them dropped into the book like in the long format is just great like it's just always fun to see them pop up so I love it I'm excited to get to war of the realms because because you just mentioned something that I think is really key to understanding how Jason Aaron writes these big lead-ups because really we've been leading up to war of the realms since right after god butcher like right after the yeah. God bomb, because that's when Malekith is released from uh, the the prison at Nastrond. And that's when he starts yeah. his whole plan. Like that's like issue 13 or 14 of God of Thunder. So this is the seeds have been planted for years now. 
Yeah. And yeah. we're like, we keep hearing in these issues, the War of the Realms is coming. Nat- Malekith is spreading yeah. his war throughout the realms. And now when this little interlude story with the League of Realms, it gets them all back together and they're going to go to Alfheim and they're going to, the plan is kind of murky and unclear at the beginning, but they are going to free the queen of the light elves who was held captive by Malekith. And if, uh, if anybody needs a refresher on that, go back and, and look at probably episode three of our Jason Aaron retrospective, but they're going to free uh, her from her prison. And uh, the, I mean, the, the whole setup feels like kind of like a heist movie. It feels like an Ocean's Eleven kind of yeah. Ocean Twelve style movie, um, and this story is not drawn by Russell Dodderman. It oh the Tol- the Tolkien Avengers the Tolkien Avengers Victoria is showing off <laughs> uh, one of the big full page panels, uh, one of the Steve Epting panels where it's all the members of the League together. Oh, I meant to ask you, do you have a favorite member of the League that maybe isn't Jane? um i like angela actually i really liked um <clears throat> i really liked her in the episode not the episodes it feels like episodes the issues right. where she shows up later on as well um so i like any point in which she's kind of sprinkled in even though she doesn't have a lot of dialogue and stuff i do like the part where um i think jane or Roz is like we could get you some pants <laughs> they, she's like no Roz is like if i <laughs> give you 20 not, bucks so. we promise to wear pants <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah that was really great um and i just think she's fun like she just adds that extra little like weird you know dynamic in to the um the whole group situation um and also you can't go wrong with a troll like a troll character is always fun his name has gone out of my head right now because i'm that person unfortunately but just delightful anytime he gets dialogue is absolutely so fun so so the troll that victoria is referencing everybody is ud literally just you that's it ud the troll yeah he's great and he has a sidekick named screwbeard the dwarf uh so they yeah they work off each other just swimmingly it's i i've said this a few times like they're the buddy cop style part of this event because they're the ones that get sent to kind of do the dirty work uh they get sent to yeah. go through the sewers of of the of the castle but they're yeah. awesome and there's a little bit of a of a history between them because uh ud ud chopped off uh screwbeard's arm all the way back when when they were fighting Malekith the first time so there's a little bit of history yeah. there but uh these two issues we won't really stay with them uh that long uh, because they are an interlude story there's a lot to get yeah. to with the Asgard Shi'ar war but essentially what you need to know about these issues because you're gonna go and read them you're gonna go on Marvel Unlimited you're gonna dig up those pit trade paperbacks you're gonna find one and you're gonna read this story so we'll just give you a synopsis uh jane gets the league of realms back together with uh sif and a few of the characters we've already mentioned uh my favorite league of realms member ivory honeyshot he's there and they are they are dead set on getting uh the queen of the light elves out of her prison and what they don't realize is that malekith has laid a trap for them they think malekith is off other places and he laid a trap for them 
And the villain that shows up to torment them is Curse, who we, you know, in older Thor comics, we know is Algrim the Strong, who is a, a, a dark elf that Malekith has teamed up with in the past. But this version of Curse is a little different. This is Lady Waziria, who we know from the earlier God of Thunder comics, who went to prison to uh, to make sure that Malekith wouldn't be unleashed upon the whole world, and he still was. Um, she is the new curse. So Lady Waziria becomes curse, and they fight Jane and the League of Realms. And the the storyline is left a little bit like a like a like a uh, a loose hanging uh, ending because we know all of this is leading to war of the realms this is a long long lead up to war of the realms and this little interlude story kind of bridges the gap between uh the previous uh story that we had with jane and getting us to the asgard shiar war victoria what did you think of this interlude this this two issue kind of bridge story right before the asgard shiar war it really just made me dislike Malekith a whole lot more. Like, you know, like in the Accursed kind of book, um, you kind of like, uh, you feel almost bad for him. Um, right. And then when he pops up again, like with rocks on, you're kind of like, oh no, I don't feel bad for him anymore. And now Not I'm like, all. now I really don't feel bad for him. Now I really just don't like him. It, it really is building him At into all. this. So, yeah. It's building him into this realm wide, realms wide threat, um, which is crazy because like, yeah. Malekith is really like I, I don't know about you, but like before this huge War of the Realms lead up, I did not think that Malekith was on this like Marvel big event level bad guy. I did not think he was that big oh. of a deal, but they're really building him into a huge threat. Yeah, it's kind of interesting the way that they did it because they kind of on his own he really isn't but you know like similar to Loki the way that he can kind of manipulate people is what makes him a threat you know in the way he can plot and stuff like that um and that's I think what makes him you know the most kind of like scary um at this right. point in the Thor comics is because he's so good at manipulating people I, um or other characters or you know elves or realms so he really has yeah not great <laughs> he really has at this point he's assembled his dark council which is a bunch of different baddies from yep. from thor's history loki's on there king laufey is on there of the frost giants yeah um the mysterious queen of cinders is on there we're gonna meet her in a in a in a, in a few episodes um but this interlude story ends and we're kind of just left there with a with a, a to be continued they're like hey we're gonna we're gonna come back to this you know we're coming back to this we're gonna keep coming back to this but then in issue 15 we jump into something called the asgard shiar war so the the asgard shiar war that these five issues just uh, we'll, and we'll dig into a few different plot points here but all you really need to know is that the gods of the shiar have been in a sense, manipulated by one of the members of the Dark Council, Mr. Loki himself. And uh, he is the one that's going to try and convince them that the gods of the Shi'ar need to challenge, they need to do a challenge of the gods with this mighty Thor. 
that everywhere in the universe, people pray to the mighty Thor, but people don't really know about the gods of the Shi'ar outside of their own little empire. And uh, for those of you that maybe don't know what the Shi'ar are, they are a bird-like people who are, uh, a, a, they're a big deal in X-Men comics, if, if I have that right, Victoria, or am I wrong there? Um, they do come up quite a lot um, with X-Men comics. I believe that uh, Charles Xavier even goes and lives in the Shia Empire like right. at one point when he's like reborn or something. Something like that. And then <laughs> I think potentially Sun Sunspot maybe also goes and lives there or has like a wife or a girlfriend in that empire. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot to do with the X-Men happening there. Yeah. you need a phd to understand the x-men yeah i'm theory, so. and i am so i like i will read an x-men comic and i'll be like wow this is um i can't do this i can't i can't commit the next two years of my life to understanding like claremont's x-men or you know and any of the more like intertwined crossover stuff um but the show oh, yeah. are the Shi'ar are a big intergalactic deal in Marvel. Um, they're one of the empires that are constantly yep. warring with, you know, the Kree and the Skrull, and they've, they've threatened to invade yep. the Earth before. The gods of the Shi'ar, uh, the Shara and Katiri, I hope I'm saying that yep. correct, they are... Close enough. They, yeah, they send the, the Shi'ar Imperium, who are basically their version of superheroes, the, which is led by yeah. Gladiator, they send them to take Jane because they're going to bring Jane to their palace to, to initiate the challenge of the gods. And that leads to a big, huge fight. The Asgardians go after her, but not because it's her, Cull, Cull Borson, who is the regent of Asgard at this point. He is more worried about defending Asgard's honor in a way. Uh, and if yeah. Sif, Sif is pretty much using him to free Jane, she wants to go and rescue Jane yeah. and Cole is going there so that Asgard basically doesn't look like a bunch of punks. Uh, but yeah, Victoria, like going into this story, like, were you familiar with this story before we reread it for the, for the podcast? Yes, I had read it, um, in I think I had it in like trade paperback so I had read it before but it's definitely not one that I had really revisited um just because I tended to skip forward <laughs> to right. War of the Realm <laughs> um because that's fun um but um I was actually quite delighted with how much fun this is I always get a little tiny bit kind of put off rereading stories when they start with the the like interlude kind of chapters because then I'm like oh Mm. um but yeah I mean the interlude chapters for this one are so much fun and then um starting off pretty much with a bang with Heimdall is always great right so, um yeah it's just uh starts off really really well and then it kind of continues and I particularly love <laughs> the panel with Boar um and I love Jane's t-shirt in this panel where it says big gay ice cream <laughs> I, like, just I, so cute. I need to know like if that's like a reference to like a real thing or if it's just like yeah I need to know Russell Dodderman like having fun like hey what if we gave her a shirt that just said big gay ice cream it's just yeah it's just great I'm like what is it like we'll, we'll have to google it at some point that, but, like, yeah, it just, feels, just some of those things where I'm just like I like it 
it's fun. It, it feels too niche to not be a thing. Like it, like that feels yeah. like a reference to something. Um, and we know like they put references in these comics, uh, which is you know part of like what just makes them a great creative team. Um, but you referenced yeah. Heimdall. We start with Heimdall, and uh, he has this showdown with Gladiator. Gladiator is um, for the again those of you that don't know, I really didn't know who Gladiator was before I dug into some Thanos comics lately and into these Thor comics, Gladiator is basically the, he's the guy that busts down the door when it comes to the Shi'ar Empire. He's the one that shows up first. He's the one that is kind of the the spokesman of the Shi'ar when they have to go like confront a a threat or something like that. But really the, the, the Shi'ar guard, the Imperium, is this collection of very colorful, very gifted super beings. And they come at Jane and then Jane shows up uh, she's captured and she shows up in front of Shara and Katiri, the gods of the Shi'ar. Now, what did you think of these gods? Because I didn't know who they were before I read this. Uh, I definitely have an opinion of them now, but what did you think of them when you were rereading it or, or maybe like what was your first impression of them way back when? Um, I love the way that Russell Dorderman draws them. Um, they, they are beautiful. Other than that, I'm kind of like, yeah, I, I guess I didn't really get much of a, an opinion on them just because I was kind of like, you know, like they're like the baddie or whatever, like they're fun and interesting, but I was much more, I and still am much more interested in like the other characters. So yeah. I don't know. I kind of, as, as fun as they are to read, I'm more interested in like Gladiator and like those characters as like the baddies. Because they kind of have a more interesting story at the end of the day to me personally, although um, this does get really interesting. I'm not going to jump ahead too far, but what they kind of like do and their point and stuff is pretty interesting and funny. So this makes them seem like little petulant children. (laughs) Oh my gosh. They are so, they're so, it's funny for, for these all powerful, all gods of the the Shi'ar, they are really petty. They are very, I mean, literally they get, talk they get talked into this challenge of the gods by loki basically saying like you know you know people don't really worship you outside of shiar space and they're like what are you talking yeah. about like everyone in creation knows of us and they're like mm, not really though you know who they do know a lot about though is this thor guy uh and like you should go like check this out and they they keep calling jane like little girl or like you uh, little goddess and jane <sighs> Yeah, lady thor and stuff jane is taking all of none of this and so you've already referenced jane uh and i I wanted to because i i know just from like from what i've seen on on instagram and the conversations we've had before today like jane is a big deal and what did you think of her in the beginning stages of this these issues where she is basically going toe-to-toe with these gods and she's not taking any of their crap um it's really just a good illustration of how petulant and it kind of goes back to the point that jason aaron was illustrating a little bit with the like god butcher and like the god bomb saga and stuff like that like how sometimes out of touch and like the overall themes i guess of his whole work on thor these gods can be um from real people and it's sort of it's really strongly illustrated and some of the challenges that we like go forward through in pages 
how Jane's really having none of it. Like she's like, nope, I won't be doing this. I won't be doing that. Absolutely right. not. Um, and really just like showing how, you know, they're just, just like a whole nother like uh, plane of existence. Like they really don't value anything other than their own godliness, basically. Like the only thing they right. care about is being godly, petulant children. And Jane's here trying to like care for people. Um, which just, you know, it goes like, it's just so, so interesting because, you know, Jane's a doctor. So she really just, her whole existence is, at least in this part of the comics, is caring for people and they're the yeah. complete opposite. So that's really interesting. Um, by the way, I Googled big gay ice cream and it is a whole like franchise. Really? Um, and they have like, yeah, they have like a cookbook and stuff like that. Yeah, I Googled it on my phone just before. So okay. they must, like Jason Aaron must be a fan or Russell Dorman must be a fan. So there must I mean, be some kind of link there. But um, I Googled it. So, okay. Yeah. So Jane Jane's shirt is a reference to a real thing, a real place, an ice cream you can actually eat. Interesting. Well, that's cool. Yep. That's a cool reference. Yeah. Um, so yep. the, you referenced it just there, the, the challenges that jane and the gods of the shiar engage with and like we won't spend like time on each and every challenge but there's kind of a theme that goes throughout these challenges where um shadrach the the god of kind of whatever he decides that he's glad he came back he popped back up i love when jason will do that it's like you'll forget about a character for a long time and then he'll be like oh yeah now shadrach's back for five issues um but shadrach shows up and he is the representative of omnipotent city which you know seen in the recent uh thor love and thunder movie but uh the omnipotent city uh, representative who is going to essentially be the judge of this challenge of the gods and the challenge of the gods is really sadistic it's really really uh on a lot of different levels it's just kind of a gross display of this old school mentality of what gods are so there's there's different challenges yeah. and basically it's 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 that theme of like how much torture can we put people through how much can we destroy and then still get worshiped so I yeah know exactly I, like how blindly can people follow something that is harmful to them essentially uh, yeah, yeah it's a really interesting question to pose so and and, yeah. and like most of us know like at this point in the um in the retrospective like jason aaron in his personal life is a proclaimed atheist and one of the things that he took into his writing of thor was if i was going to believe in a god what would that god look like and i love how in in the challenges he juxtaposes a lot of what our world sees and a lot of the hypocrisy and a lot of the the challenge that people have with religion and spirituality and he juxtaposes that with jane and how jane treats people so in this challenge victoria like in these challenges that jane has put through what did you think of like her response to these challenges and how the gods of the shiar respond to these challenges because they're they're very different they're on opposite polar sides of these challenges
Hey there, friends. Hope you're enjoying this episode that you're listening to right now. Just wanted to take a moment and remind you that we do have a Patreon. You can, just for a few dollars a month, join our Thor core over on Patreon at Across the Bifrost, the Mighty Thor podcast. Our Patreon page allows you access to early episodes, bonus content, and it gives you a way to have input on what we do here in the show. So, for just a few dollars a month, go join the Thor Corps today, and we would appreciate your continued support. Follow the link in the episode description to become a member of the Thor Corps today. Now, enjoy the rest of this episode. Yeah, I mean, um, like I said, like it's just so interesting that, you know, she clearly just like, uh, just cares about people and it doesn't matter if they know her or care about her which is like the heart of it I guess because these gods don't know or these citizens don't necessarily know Thor but she still doesn't want to harm them just to win whereas these other two gods the Shari gods they don't care they just want to feel important um and that you know it's kind of interesting when you look at uh you know, really big names in churches, for example, and they really just want to feel important and they'll take money or whatever from their constituents as a constituent. And they don't really care what happens to them as long as they keep getting to preach and be appreciated. Um, And that's kind of what these gods are like, right? With these challenges, like they're really just doing harm to their people for the sake of their ego, um, which is just gross. (laughs) um and yeah it's just an interesting juxtaposition to Jane again and especially when um in between the challenge parts of this issue or these issues you have um Vorstag who's at the Congress of Worlds and he's trying to like waste everyone's time waiting he's filibustering (laughs) yeah he's just like I'm gonna eat this and I'm gonna tell this yarn and we're gonna have a feast and you know it's just yeah it's just it's just a great like yeah overall i just think it's quite quite well done you know the um the there was one bit there that reminded me of a line that uh kitari and shara say when they're, they're sending this big tidal wave towards their own followers like to prove how much they can destroy and still get worshiped and this is the line that kitari says he says even after a th- even after thousands die tragically for no discernible reason whatsoever, and then uh, Shara intervenes to millions, most likely. I have quite a knack for weather-related yeah. disasters. Katiri says, even before the bodies have been buried, the survivors will flock to their shrines and worship us. The more senseless yeah. the carnage, the more they pray. This run of Thor means a lot to me, like because of some of the deeper. Yeah themes that jason hits upon i mean it's it's a it's a great read it's a great action-packed fun read too Uh, but you can definitely read it on that next level yeah and dig into all the different themes that he's he's dragging out absolutely of of how he views deities and how he wishes he could view deities through the lens of of jane um but they they get to the end of these challenges and Jane is really not playing by the rules, which is kind of Jane's MO. Like if they, no. if they set up a, a rule, she's going to break yeah. it. 
because like you said, Victoria, like her main goal yep. is, to, is to save people, is to protect people, is to care for people. Yep. So she doesn't care what rules she's yep. breaking and she gets fed up and she says, okay, I'm just, I'm going to, I want like all this BS is done. Like, I want to fight you. Like, we're not going to yep. you know, pull the strings anymore. And the gods of the Shi'ar basically say, yeah, that's not how this is going to go. Um, are you invoking the ultimate judgment? The ultimate judgment is basically yeah. how this challenge of the gods is going to end. Uh, so Victoria, would you mind yeah. telling listeners what is like the, the allusion to the ultimate judgment? Who or what is the ultimate judgment? The Phoenix Force. More it, X-Men um, Easter eggs happening in there um overall but yeah so they essentially um call forth the phoenix force which is the not personification but basically it's just like the ultimate destruction which is horrific you know um for your own gods just to prove that they are mighty to bring force destruction so we get that um there's a little bit of an easter egg um and and i uh we're going to dig into the Phoenix force and kind of Jane's conflict with the Phoenix force. Cause that's really where the storyline lands. There is a small little yeah. Easter egg though, a small little Easter egg that alludes to the return of a classic Thor villain. The Mangog is returning. And that is a, a little yeah. bit of a, there's a small panel at the end of, I think issue 16 or something like that. But then the, at the end of the last <laughs> issue yeah is literally Mangog riding on a comet headed towards, uh, headed towards yeah. Asgard. And he, yeah, he's all, he's all like, he's yeah. fists ready to go. And I, I want to know ready. how that works. In <laughs> I want to know how that works in space. Like how is he flying on a comet with nothing to propel him? And because comics, because comics. Um, but we're, yeah. we're going to, we're going to cover that, the, that storyline, the death of the mighty Thor in a few weeks, actually with, uh, yeah with one of the hosts from Marvel's pull list, Jasmine Estrada is going to be on the show to cover the death of the mighty awesome. Thor. So uh, let's get back to the Phoenix though. Cause the Phoenix is yeah. this like the Phoenix has kind of been a big deal in Marvel comics since the eighties, since uh, yeah. Jean gray was bonded with the Phoenix. And ever since like the Phoenix is just this engine of destruction um it, it burns yeah, yeah. up incinerates whatever is in its way whether it's you know people planets whatever so the gods of the shiar they bring forth the phoenix and jane and jane is uh fighting with the phoenix alongside a mutant that i don't know a lot about and i was wondering victoria if you knew yeah. anything about quentin choir yeah, he, I don't know a lot about him actually, um, because I haven't really read a lot of this particular era of comics, which I think is where he's most prolific. However, he is part of the West Coast Avengers led by Kate Bishop. Oh, awesome. So I have read him in that um, perspective, which I think happens before this does i think okay. the coast avengers is before this um but her, he has like a relationship with gwenpool um oh that, my goodness is great because he just wants to understand he's like how do you because you know she, her thing is breaking the fourth wall right like she's right. always like talking to the like to the, the reader, reader. Yeah. and he's like how what how does your power work what is happening and he's really fascinated by her and she's like what are you talking about i'm just cool <laughs> 
<laughs> and so yeah that's that's pretty much all i know about him <laughs> it's kind of crazy because quentin choir we say we see in these comics they tell me he's an omega level mutant so for yeah. him to be so enamored with how Gwenpool breaks the fourth wall, it's like, dude, you're an Omega level mutant. Like what? You're, yeah. you're just Cut it out. not more. Oh, we're, we're digging for a book amongst the, the many shelves. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love the um, logo, the graffiti yeah. logo on that. Yeah. West Coast of Ben. It's such a shame that this didn't. Oh yeah. Look, there they are right there on the back. Okay. Awesome. There. Yeah. So yeah, yeah listeners there is a fantastic back full page panel of like the whole team and quentin choir and gwenpool yep. mid makeout <laughs> yeah mid makeout session they're there they're ready yeah it's just a fun it's so great like i think um my daughter's actually read it she's eight um and she read both of these so they're great for all ages like it's just a really fun time oh, and awesome. a really great way to just have a little bit of lots of different characters that you wouldn't normally see um and of course we have kate bishop at the forefront which we love. i mean kate bishop is... and we have a little bit of america sprinkled in there as well so that's two two names yeah. two names that mcu fans are, are gonna have to get really really used to uh america and kate yeah, bishop exactly fantastic yeah so with yep, the phoenix jane is set up against the phoenix in this kind of like unwinnable situation but we know it's comics so we got to figure out a way for jane to beat the phoenix force and um they jane is put basically inside the phoenix force in this white hot room which is the the core of the phoenix do i have that correct Uh, that part got a little Uh, loosey-goosey for me yeah, it's more because um, you know how the Phoenix Force typically wants to attach itself to very powerful, um, like uh, what's the like telekinetic mutants right. or entities. Right. So I think it's more that it's happening in Jane's psychosis in her mind oh. rather than physically happening. Okay, yeah, I think that's kind of the crux of it, and it's you know one of those kind of things where it happens like in a split second to everybody else but it's like a full-on thing happening in jane's mind right um yeah so she's having Um, and it's interesting while that's happening you know like the asgardians have come like on their freaking goat-led wooden ship to try and save jane essentially and like as you said previously like sif has kind of like manipulated boar into bringing like the whole army like coming to rescue jane like to defend the honor of Asgard because, you know, he can't be embarrassed. No, like really playing on again, that like <sighs> petulant child godlike state of mind. Um, so that's really, really interesting and fun. And that's really important, like towards the end of this particular trade as well, which is right. Yeah, um, right. There's, there's a lot to great. wrap up in this <laughs> trade. Like we're, we're leading into world of the Rebels, yeah. but like at the end, I always find that the last issue the last issue of these storylines that Jason writes is kind of, it's the, the last issue, the last half of the, of whatever last issue of the storyline is meant to like make us remi- remind us of like, Oh, right. There's a bigger story we're leading to there. You know, whatever we've been talking about yeah, yeah. in this, in this um, we've focused in on this, like in this example, we focus in on the Asgard Shi'ar war for four and a half issues. But then the last half of that last issue is like, okay, now reminder, here's what's happening in the wider world. And we get a lot of that towards the end. 
but uh we see we see an old friend show up at the end of this storyline victoria we see the odinson show up and he and jane team up to beat the phoenix they unleash the full power of the mother storm and uh because that's apparently one of the things that the phoenix actually fears which is interesting because the phoenix yes doesn't fear many things um so they're able to defeat the phoenix with the help of quentin choir who becomes like the the host of some of the phoenix force but not all of it Um, yeah yeah i can't remember what happens next unfortunately but yeah he manages to get a piece of the phoenix force right yeah it's it's weird because like in the in the end of this uh this of the last issue we see the phoenix fly off and the phoenix basically saying like yeah i i just kind of didn't want to finish the fight like it's it's fine there's bigger fit there's bigger fish to fry you know there's there's other stuff that i've got to deal with it was almost like a kind of like a non-ending because the phoenix isn't defeated and Jane and Thor aren't defeated. So it's kind of like, hey, we, we butted up heads against each other, but now we're just going to kind of go go our own way, do our own thing. Um, was there anything else from the, the conflict with the Phoenix that stood out to you? Because um, I'll be honest, like I, I don't understand much of the Phoenix. I just kind of know like when the Phoenix shows up, it's not a good day. <laughs> like nothing good is going to really happen. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of, the like kind of resolution of that conflict part of it was I think because they did do it really short-lived I think it got cancelled Jean Grey comic and I kind of and I'm pretty sure Russell Dorderman illustrated it so I think fantastic part of the reason of having the phoenix here was also to then introduce like a fresh new phoenix Jean Grey book um to lead into that um and so that was a really good way to do it. But also I think like it's interesting that this all-powerful like destructive deity entity was just kind of like, I'm not going to actually be manipulated into having any part of this petty squabble, like makes a deal with Quentin Choir, who is like one of the most intelligent um, like beings in the universe and also like an Omega level unit. A unit? Uh, <laughs> and it's just sort of just was just like actually I'm not I'm not having this I'm off by like I'm gonna right. go do my own thing I don't want to be like manipulated so yeah I that was kind of how I read the the conclusion of that phoenix part um so it's sort of like a lead into other stuff but also it was kind of like to illustrate that actually like the, the phoenix force didn't want to have any part of this petty squabble essentially like she was too good for it so which is yeah. nuts because like um yeah. also we have this great great oh. Thor panel by the way see the goat we've got the goat the goats have returned the goats are here <laughs> i mean it's such, yeah. such a good i mean the goats. and i think this is honestly um if you go to this last into issue 19 listeners if you go in about halfway through you're gonna see why matt wilson is one of the best colorists going today yeah like the Absolutely. the the way he does the fire and the lightning and the storms like intertwining and Dodderman with the yeah. art. It's just, it's honestly some of the best comics. Like seriously, you just need to go read yeah. this because the artwork is so insane. It's so insane. It's just so fun. Like it's just so great to look at. Like it doesn't, you know, sometimes when you read a comic and the, the panels don't flow 
in a way that makes sense to your brain. Well, this yes. doesn't really happen with the way that Matt and Russell work together. Like you, your brain just goes, wow, amazing. Like it just goes in, it flows. Like it's yeah. Just, yeah, fantastic. Like it's just so good. And this is one of those comic runs where I'm just like, wow, how are they going to top themselves? And they keep topping them. Mm-hmm. Like it's, they keep upping the ante they keep raising the roof and then meeting that expectation of the readers and and you said something earlier um that i i i just it's been sticking in my head that like this reads so episodically that this is so intertwined like these feel like episodes of a tv show like a tv show that i would definitely watch um like i think these issues are crafted so well that you just you just want to keep reading them you want to keep going yeah like it took everything in me not to jump into issue 20 uh of the the war (laughs) thor storyline it took everything in me but i I held myself back um because i want to read it along (laughs) with the listeners um so we yeah there's a lot to kind of wrap up here at the end and um i was uh Victoria, help me just to kind of help the listeners, um, you know, understand like where we're at when we widen yeah. out this gaze here. The the first of all, the gods of the Shi'ar, they are taken to captivity in omnipotent city, and they're gonna they're gonna serve some time. They're gonna serve some time for for yeah. what they've done in the challenge of the gods. Well, they get put in time out basically. Is <laughs> what it sounds like, really. He's like, oh, just put them away for a couple of centuries. Like, it's fine. But to them, it probably won't feel like much, you know? So it's really just the timeout. The, uh, Which kind the- of goes to illustrate um, Jason Aaron's, like, overall sort of, like, feelings towards, you know, like, worship and, like, gods and stuff. Is there's no real consequence for a god. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it just kind of goes goes with that a little bit as well um but also like Shadrach having his little like I learned a thing or two from gore moment was kind of fun like a little bit sinister a little bit weird like it goes with its very overall theme so that was also kind of cool like a nice little ending to that part of the story I love that little reference in there that Shadrach Shadrach gets that last little jab in there um yeah the uh we see that Quentin Quire is a, you know, he's bonded with a p- part of the Phoenix, but then we go to Asgardia yeah. and Asgardia has got a lot going on right now. Um, there's a few yeah. different things. They have a kind of a celebration feast where uh Sif gets hit on by the gladiator's son, um, which is uh <laughs> dude, you just don't want to go there. Sif is more woman than, than you, uh, than you're ready for man. <laughs> yeah. And Hildegard, like, um, making claim to the destroyer. She's like, yes. thank you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, Very fun. Let, let yeah. Hildy do um, all the kissing. Then, Gross. Yeah. <laughs> He's talking to a, basically a robot. But then, like, the next page. Yes. Go basically ahead. Basically a robot. I just love that you can do that in comics. Like, it's just so fun. But, yeah, the next page, just to juxtapose the party atmosphere, we're really setting up the death of the mighty Thor, like the death of Jane Foster here. Like we're really like setting up those pieces now for Jane to like get ready to go basically. Um, and she brings in Roz um, to replace her in the Congress, which is an amazing choice. Obviously we think this. Um, and Jane just really getting her like last like jab in against Boar there. Like not that he knows that Jane is, Thor, but right. you know like she's really just like 
being like, I'm the boss, really. So that's great. Um, but also sad. I, I love this has kind of been a, a theme of Jane's story is Jason's really good at juxtaposing her strength her, 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 her e- emotional and her, 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 the strength that she asserts to these gods when she's so physically weak. Yeah. And yeah. there's a good, there's a good parallel there of her, um, her really succeeding in many ways, but also like, if she were to like, look in and take care of herself, she's not, she's not prioritizing herself. She's prioritizing everybody else. Yeah. And she's finally come to that. Yeah, point where absolutely. Like she has to. She has to start taking her chemo seriously. Um, and we know, you know, yeah, how the you know some of us know how the story ends. Um, that plays a big factor later on in the story. Um, we get yeah. a few a few more wrap up moments. Uh, Malekith, Malekith, and Loki go see the Queen of Cinders, who plays a big part in the next storyline yeah. we're going to talk about the the War Thor. Uh, Quentin Quire is getting worshipped by yep. the Shi'ar Empire as the Phoenix, uh, so that's fun. <laughs> um, and he's taking all of it very seriously. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and then we see a little bit of a conversation between Jane and uh, Jane and the Odinson, because um, I love. Okay, so I love these little glimpses that we get into Jane and the Odinson's relationship. Um, because yeah. they're they're more they're more than lovers at this point. They're more than friends. Yeah. They're 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 bonded at the soul. It, it feels like. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, what did you think of this little interaction they have outside of Odin's door? Because Odin still hasn't made himself yeah. visible in a while. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, it's just really, it really just like pulls on your little heartstrings because just the way that Russell's really like done the facial expression for right. Odin son um, and like how little there is of Jane compared to Odin son. Like she is thick and she is small, but she is also the one with the the big, heavy, like powerful conversation to be had as well which is just right. really interesting um and then also just like story <laughs> being like i killed the door for you <laughs> like just the whole thing is really just um it was really this is one of those kind of like pages that really sort of encapsulates a lot of like the stuff that people really love or loved about this book when it was coming out because right. this is really what i think kept people coming back for more they really wanted more of this to find out what happens next with this and this relationship like to see totally if she's going to tell him how he's going to react like yeah. that's a really heavy hitting moment that he's leading up to as well with along with the other stuff which is great but this is the like little heart of it right here right like th- these these pages are really i think they're the they're the heart and soul of this book as jason is unfolding yep. this story because towards the end like when in a few weeks when we break down the death of the mighty thor with jasmine we're gonna see like yep. thor's full wave of emotions when jane is yeah when jane is put in a kind of an unwinnable situation and thor does not react in a heroic yep. way he reacts in a way that is much more human um much yeah in a more, very uh, human way yeah so um excited to 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 see how these panels 
play out when we get to the death of the mighty Thor. And then the last two panels are kind of that Phoenix panel that we were referring to earlier. And then the last panel is the man God. (laughs) Your favorite one. Uh, I mean, he's he's no he's no Ulick the troll, but Mangog's pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> pretty great. Mangog is coming for the to deliver the ultimate judgment on the gods of Asgard. Yeah. But we see this little thing at the bottom where we are gonna look. We're gonna see in the next issue the all new Ultimate Thor, who is the War Thor, and that is gonna be our yeah. next part of the Jason Aaron retrospective. But Victoria, what was kind of your your overall takeaway from the Asgard Shi'ar War, um, the the reforging of the League of Realms? This this chunk of comics that we broke down today on the podcast. I mean, it does feel a little bit like, you know, a gateway from the main um, Jane Foster Thor story into the War of the Realms, but it's just done in a really good way. Like it really gets you in the feels a little bit. It really poses some really good questions. Um, You know, the art really flows so well, even though we do change our uh, illustrators um, a couple of times with some of the panels. Um, But yeah, I just think um, even when Jason Aaron is doing something that maybe feels like filler, he does it really well. Like you still want to read it. You still want to know what's happening. It yeah. still like gives you the feels and all of that sort of stuff. So yeah. And then just like, I just pulled this out leading into the, oh. the death of the mighty Thor as well. Like this cover is really, really great by the way. Um, but yeah, it just, it is a really, really good segue. Like it really does just do what it's supposed right. to do. Um, it's not like a waste of page. Like, you know, everything is just so you just really planned it out, you know, which is what we love to see. I think that's a, a good thing to highlight there because I, I hadn't really thought about it in these words. Jason doesn't waste a page. Like his pages all are intertwined and they mean something like th- there's there's a definite purpose to everything he puts in a panel. So, uh, wow. Now I actually have words for that. Fantastic. Um, so. Victoria, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I wanted to give you just a moment to tell people where they can find you online and how they can interact with you if they want to follow what you do at Read Across the Stars. So yeah, mostly I'm active on Instagram. Um, This is where obviously Ryan um, follows me. So that's just at Read Across the Stars. Um, I haven't been posting a lot lately. I have actually been going I've gone back to working full-time so I've yet to figure out how people balance making content and working 40 hours a week Um, but I usually post you know like comic calls Um, I try and do a little bit of like drop in the like girly nerdy kind of like I do post my nails and things like that which I often get like on theme with whatever MCU content is coming out I did recently get really cool um, like Thor ones which was lots of fun Um, nice so yeah, I haven't got much planned in the future as it is. Yeah, I, I mean, if you want to just see me um, get on my feminist soapbox and talk about comics and badass Marvel ladies, um, that's where you can see all that stuff. So um, I always think I'm going to get back into making YouTube videos and then I don't. But if you want to watch some older YouTube content, um, <laughs> it's the same name on YouTube as well. So read across awesome. the stars over there too. We are... Yes going to wrap this one up thank you for joining me and victoria on this edition of across the bifrost for the jason aaron retrospective and remember everybody wherever you're at whatever you're doing wherever in the nine realms you are remember one thing no matter what stay where 